The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. If you have any questions about matters relating to the law, whether it be wills, whether it be having sat with your uh, better half through Christmas, have you finally decided, right, now's the time for that divorce that I've been considering. What are the legal implications? We have with us Sonia McEntee, who is Principal Solicitor at Sonia McEntee Solicitors and Chair of the uh, Law Society's Public Relations Practitioner. And she's going to be busy this morning, given the amount of queries, some of them highly technical queries that are coming in, Sonia. But let us start with a relatively simple one which is my marriage has irretrievably broken down what are the first steps I take if I want to pursue separation okay well there's that word irretrievably um I think the first piece of advice I would give is not to rush towards the legal process. And there are several reasons for that. One is that the family law system is creaking at the seams. There's no doubt about that. And it takes time to get through that. It's a very heavy duty and onerous process to go through. The second one is that there are lots and lots of practical um, considerations here. So the first one is going to be what are the, what are the living arrangements going to be? So and, and how friendly or unfriendly is this breakdown going to be? So how are we going to live and, and get along together going into the future? And if we assume that there are children there, how are we going to manage the children? How are we going to protect the children? Really, really important that for children, children are put front and centre in any, in any relationship breakdown because much of what we might discuss around these will apply equally to unmarried, unmarried couples as well. Now, can I just check, if you're heading for divorce, I know this question was about separation, but if you're heading for divorce, am I right in saying that you have to give evidence that you have been living separate lives for a certain period of time before the divorce will be granted? Well, if, if when you say giving evidence, typically you're asked that question and you'll acknowledge that that's the case. It doesn't really go beyond that. But they are questions that you'll have considered with your solicitor in advance in terms of whether you qualify for that um, that two year living apart period before you can apply for your divorce. And when you say living apart, because I do know of situations where people effectively draw a line down the middle of the house and it is the one house, those separate yeah. lives. Does that count or do you have yeah. to find separate no, dwellings? No, that can count. That can count. All right. So it's re- this is and this is one aspect where it is really important to take that legal advice, to take that legal advice from a solicitor. So go to your solicitor on that that question, all right, um, and and maybe at an early stage because the two years may have started much sooner than you think it has started. So you've decided today that your relationship has broken down and that you want to take um, some legal steps in relation to it. But it may well be that if you have been effectively living apart, so for example, separate bedrooms over an extended period, um, not really engaging with one another, looking making your own dinner, looking after the children separately, all of those things will be relevant considerations in looking at whether you have been living together or living apart over the past several years. So. All of that is relevant information. So that two year period might have started earlier than you might think in terms of whether you qualify for an application for divorce. Uh, Will people be wary? And I don't mean this in any way uh, pejoratively about Mm. your profession, but is there a sense that lawyering up will make the process combative and that you should avoid going to a solicitor? I I think that's a legitimate concern. I mean, I I don't think that that's an unreasonable concern on anybody's part. And going back to the start there, when I said about pausing for a moment, when you when you come to the realisation that your relationship has broken down, you need to look at those practical implications first. And what I would say is the more the more of this that you can do for yourself and the more of this that you can do by agreement with your partner, the easier the legal process is going to be, the faster the process is going to be and the less expensive the process is going to be. So if everything is contentious, if you're going to argue about everything, it's going to be long, it's going to be drawn out and it's going to be so particularly expensive. So effectively swallow hard and have the conversation that says, look, if we've gotten where we've gotten, let's put all that to one side yeah. and do some planning. And, and there may be elements where you feel that you're compromising beyond where you 
you like to go. But this is all about, these are life changing decisions and the impact on other people around you. So it's not just about you. And again, going back to children, very, very much so. Children front and centre here. What is in their best interest moving forward? And frankly, if I have to compromise on something that I might have felt very strongly about, maybe that's the right decision to make and maybe that's the way to go forward. So I think there's a lot of thinking, a lot of working out to to do before you might look at legal steps and before we might move on from this, just to say the role of a mediator can be critical in this kind of situation as well. And I mean, the role of a mediator is to help people to reach agreement on decisions. They listen to you, they listen to me, and then they'll try to work between both of you two to reach or to find where that common ground might be. And again, that removes lawyers from the process. The lawyer has a very specific role to play, but more of this that you can agree between yourselves at the early stage, the better off everyone will be. Well, it's interesting you talk about the, the uh, implications of it and the implications particularly for children. We have a lot of questions coming in that relate to both wills and marriage breakdowns combining. And there's one that I think is a good example. It says, I have a daughter from a previous marriage. I'm divorced and remarried now. If I will my estate to my wife and I die first, and if she wills her estate to my daughter, which now includes my estate, will my daughter be able to inherit our estate without probate tax, seeing as my daughter is her stepdaughter rather than her direct biological daughter. We've been together since my daughter was 12 and she's now in her 20s. Well, yes, no, and there, there's a lot, there's a lot in that. And there's a lot like, of families there's, who there's a lot similar to break things down. to that. Absolutely. And, and the reality is that there's more advice required around a question like that. All right. It's not as simple as just stating yes or no. Um, wh- where marriages break down, um, one of the... Um, one of the clauses that will um, take effect, if you like, or one of the provisions that will be form part of the divorce is a relinquishing of succession rights between the divorcing spouses. All right. So so in that respect, a divorce is a clean is a clean break. It's important to recognise that where you've made a will as well, if you remarry, that invalidates any earlier will that you've made. So that's, I think, a really important piece of information, unless that will has specifically been made in contemplation of a new marriage. So if I if I'm divorced today, and I make a new will tomorrow and I remarry in five years time. The will that I've made tomorrow is invalidated by my remarriage unless I have specifically said I contemplate getting married to such a person in, in the next the couple of years and, and whatever, you know, so and, and that's less likely. So so there are things like that which mean on a question like that, go and talk to your solicitor, I think, and explore it just a little a little further. Well, that's the thing that I'm intrigued by is to what degree do you have total autonomy and control over who you leave your stuff to? We were talking earlier on about a German shepherd who inherited 430 million euro. Can I leave it all to the dog or are there rights that spouse and children have that will that they are able to claim over the dog even if my will says otherwise? Yeah, no, there are so, uh, there are some rights there, although, you know, my, my parents, for example, would tell me, Anton, they're simply going to spend everything so there'll be nothing left <laughs> and this is, this is just not going and to arise. This is not going to arise for any of us. So there are rights and entitlements there for both, for, um, particularly for spouses. All right. And um, that will either be a, a one half share or one third share in an estate, depending on whether there are children or no children or whether there is, sorry, depending on whether it's a testate or an intestate situation. So an intestate situation, just to explain that, is where someone has died without making a will. And in those circumstances, the law sets out how the estate, whatever assets you might have, your your house, your savings, your car, whatever, whatever all it might be. And there are lots of things there that, there that people tend to overlook. Life policies, savings bonds, post office accounts, things like that that people don't really think about uh, too much. But um, the law of intestacy will set out um, where how your estate is distributed in circumstances where you die without making a will. So 
it's re- it is really important to make that will because you get to decide um, how your estate is distributed now within certain parameters. Said certain spousal, certain spousal rights that have to be respected. Do children have automatic rights of inheritance in where there's a will left? No, they don't. However, it's not uncommon where if will and our, uh, children are excluded from a will, it's not uncommon for there to be dispute afterwards and that sort of thing. So a couple of things here, you know, planning around all of this, talking about it within the family, the more open that you can be about what your plans are, or your intentions are with your family members, the easier the process is going to be afterwards. And remember, your family are dealing with your death and your bereavement. And really, they don't want to be engaging in dispute afterwards. This is one of the things that I'm always baffled by. I've spoken to people who the, the kids have been involved in the discussion around the parents' will. And there's a little bit of me deep seated within that says, none of your business. If I spend it on the cat, if I decide to get spend it all to get my asses shot out of a cannon like Hunter yeah. Thompson. Yeah. Mine. Whereas there is a sort of a sense of, well, I have rights to your money as my mm. parent. Well, it's very interesting you say that because going back to my own comment a few minutes ago in our discussions at home, which is it will be gone. There won't be anything for you. But um, you've gone no, to that I twice think, now. There I seems to be some deep seated. Yeah, no, no. There, well, there's deep, <laughs> deep seated thinking on it. There's no doubt about that. But um, no, it really is the case. I think that um, children are far more... Uh, uh, families are more open about these conversations now and um, children are far more involved in decision making as they as they grow up and grow older within the family. I even go back to the marital breakdown situation. I mean, we listen more now to children and what they have to say. We take account of what they want. So I think, you know, families are changing and I think this is all part of that. Families are changing in how they go about their, their legal business as well. Interesting short one. Um, what do you do if executors still haven't completed the legal process after two and a half years? Is there a set time frame to have completed the process? Well, well, there, there is what's known as the executor's year. So typically there's nothing that can be done within the first 12 months. The executors have to be given that time to gather up the information to and to attend to the probate process. Now, there may be several reasons why that work is unfinished. And it may be that the work is in progress, but the person maybe who has written in with your query doesn't have the information they need to assess whether the job is or isn't done. So several things like there may be property issues, there may be banking issues, there may be debt issues, um, there may be other issues. Around, there may have been delays in getting uh, the grant of probate for various different reasons. So I think the first question there is, um, is there good reason why this isn't done yet? Right. Because there may well be. Um, and then if there isn't good reason, um, well, then uh, beneficiaries in an estate can at that point, they need to be talking to a solicitor again to take legal advice around what their options might be. But, there is, I, but there is that recognised 12 month period as a minimum to allow an executor to get on with the get on. With I the would imagine, that though, that it, it, in this instance where it is that the, this still hasn't completed after two and a half years, depending on what is within the estate, that could be hugely problematic because there are things like building maintenance, there's what do you do with cars that may be left over, there's what are the tax implications, yeah. all of that is significant. The, um, and, and certainly where you have maybe a, a multi-layered estate like that and several different several different types of assets that you might be dealing with, there is ongoing work for the executors to be done because you're absolutely right. Insurances, um, maintenance, uh, assets must be protected for the benefit of the beneficiaries um, that are coming through and and there is there's a job of work to be done there's no doubt about that so the duties are not to be undertaken lightly but nor should uh, beneficiaries I suppose beneficiaries really should ask the question why are we not done yet as opposed to assuming that there's something that has gone wrong Sonia, buckets more that we will not have time to get to so we will have to drag you back if you are willing that is Sonia McEntee Principal Solicitor at Sonia McEntee Solicitors and Chair of the Law Society's uh, PR Committee The Anton Savage Show Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.